everybody to the Family Movie Night Podcast, where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. My name is Nathan, and as always, I am joined by my good friends and co-host, Mr. Donnie Dorsey, fresh from the dispatch himself, our own Benny, handing out all the wisdom he can. How you doing, Donnie? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Ready to uh, ride the rails of this conversation. Donnie, as long as I have uh, known you, I just feel like Benny as a character just fits uh, your entire view of anywhere you are, you're going to be singing, going to be having fun wherever you're at. Oh, that's that's 100 percent legit. Like um, anybody that's met me knows that at some point I may break out in song. Yeah. And words you say may turn into a song. So, yeah. yes. Several times Donnie and I have had a conversation, and then Donnie will send me a song parody uh, <laughs> based on the conversation we had. So, you're not wrong. <laughs> very good. And of course, uh, the ever present villain of our film uh, and this podcast, uh, which I guess in this case is uh, gentrification himself, the face of gentrification, Mr. Sawyer Hewlett. How are you doing? I, I am very resentful of that statement. Okay? <laughs> I, 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 I do not, I do not like that vibe. But I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm, that's I'm very, that's very this. good. I told you you had to be the villain of the podcast. So every week you got to be some kind of villain. But that is very good. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about this movie, but we're even more excited to talk about it because we have a fantastic guest host with us today. She's been on the podcast before. In fact, she was on last episode when we talked about Paddington 2. A uh, wife, mother, most importantly, a disciple of Jesus. Heidi Cooper, how are you doing? Hey, doing great. Thank you so much. Hey, we are glad to have you on this uh, podcast with us talking about this fantastic film. Today, we are talking about the movie In the Heights, uh, directed by John M. Chu, based on the uh, uh, stage play by uh, music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. And man, I'm going to probably butcher saying this name, but the uh, the stage play is written by Kiara Wedes is how I'm going to say it, but I, I should have looked up before how to pronounce it. But more importantly, Donnie, I want you to tell us what we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your family uh, and your children build memories and start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and shared experiences that help you build stronger relationships. And the reason why is because movie nights are a great opportunity uh, because movies are not only an easy way to share laughter and joy, and as we're talking about today, wonderful music uh, together, but even more complicated emotions like fear and sadness and uh, just the weight of uh, kind of the brokenness of our world in a safe environment. Uh, But they also give us a chance to talk about what matters most to us, which is always Jesus and his way of life. Uh, in a meaningful and memorable way with our children. And on this podcast, we not only recommend some movies you could watch on your monthly movie night, uh, but we're trying to give you some ideas of meaningful conversations you could have with your children during or after the movie. As I said, we're already uh, already said 
we're talking about the movie In the Heights. Uh, I'll tell you this, out, out of all the movies uh, that we've watched so far, this movie uh, we recommend most for teenagers. Uh, I did watch this with my children. They've actually seen it twice. My kids are under the age of 10. Uh, but some of the uh, certainly content and conversations that you might uh, that this movie's going to bring up might be uh, a little more mature than elementary age kids. The movie is rated PG-13, so you can always go to IMDb and they have a parents guide that let you know kind of what the content is in there. Uh, there's certainly some conversations about sexual stuff that uh, I think some parents may not want to have with their younger children. So we just want to let you know ahead of time. This may be, but I do think this is a great movie to watch with your teenagers. But before we get to talking about that, Sawyer, tell them what else they need to know for today. Uh, yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, just uh, like and subscribe to our channel. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook. And if you're a parent who calls Community Christian your home, uh, we over on Facebook, we have a lot more uh, helpful content available to our parent group. All you have to do is go to our church Facebook page and click on the tab that says groups and find the community kids parent group. If you click join group, you'll get regular updates about events for your family and our church, as well as articles, videos, content that'll help and encourage and inspire you as a parent, as you raise your children to love Jesus. We would love to see you over there. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing to your list of things as a parent that you feel guilty about not doing, okay? We want to make it easier for you and your children to be together and build memories and have conversations so that they learn to love Jesus and his way of life more than anything else. And what a great movie to do that with uh, your older kids in the Heights came out in 2021, came out last year. Uh, this is our first podcast of 2022. And uh, it was at the time, um, uh, come came out kind of when theaters were back reopening. I took my family to see it right when it came out. Um, but before we do that, this movie kind of has an even bigger legacy than that because it is, uh, a, like I said, a stage play um, that is a musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who obviously is very uh, famous in our world for uh, his play uh, Hamilton. And uh, both this and uh, Hamilton won multiple Tonys. Uh, very popular. Um, before we get in even to this movie, wh what's everyone's relationship with, uh, I don't know why I say relationship with Lin-Manuel Miranda, like you know him personally, but what about uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda? Are you a fan? Uh, Hamilton, In the Heights, I mean, anything. Moana, uh, he had Vivo come out this year, Encanto, which came out this year, which is wonderful if you haven't seen it. We took our kids to see it. The music is great. Um, I, I, it shouldn't be a shock that I'm a big Lin-Manuel Miranda fan, but Donnie, I, I pestered you for months and months and months about listening to Hamilton. Where are you now on, on Lin-Manuel Miranda? Oh, definitely a fan. Like, it's kind of cool. Like to watch that when you find out the stuff that he's done after you've watched certain things, like after you go and you've watched Moana for the 27th time, because your daughter won't stop singing how far I'll go. Um, you start to go, I need to learn about this guy. And you start figuring that out and you realize this guy is super talented and he's very much in tune with what's going on. Yeah. And so it was definitely uh, a pleasure to see more of his, the, the content he has and to see the diversity that he has in what he makes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sawyer, Lin-Manuel fan. Oh, 
Oh, I go all the way back to his two episode arc on House. Okay, he he had two episodes on House way back in the day, and ever since then I've been a fan. I I I was excited for Hamilton before it was on Disney Plus. Um, I'm most excited right now for Tick Tick Boom. It's a movie that he actually just came out with on Netflix that he directed, and uh, it's great. I haven't I haven't it's watched great. it yet. I'm excited to watch it. Um, and so, but I I love pretty much every everything that dude does. I pretty much instantly love. So, yeah. But, Heidi, yeah. Heidi, what about you? Yeah, I mean, he's super super talented, but I think I love most um that he is so down to earth and that he is like for people. You know, <laughs> like I just yeah. love his like his heart, like what he does with his life and things like that. I think he's just a really cool dude. Yeah. I uh first thing I had ever heard by Lynn Manuel Miranda was <clears throat> Hamilton. Like I think a lot of people uh I I had some friends that I was in small group with who were big Broadway people and so this was like late 2015 early 2016 I had only I had only um heard about this play Hamilton um on Twitter. So it was like I'd heard a bunch of people talking about oh this thing and I think it had just opened on Broadway. Um, this this couple flew up to New York to see it and came back and was like, Nathan, you would love the music of Hamilton. You, you this just is just made for you. You should watch it. And I'm like, this sounds like Schoolhouse Rock. I am not going to watch a rap musical because I'm a big hip hop fan. And so that's why they came back to me was like, you, you're into hip hop. You would love this. And I'm into musicals. I'm really into musicals. Um, and so they were like, you would love this. And so I listened to the first song uh, Alexander Hamilton. And I, because I had this prejudice about like, this is going to be a schoolhouse rock thing. I was like, this is trash. I don't know what this is. Everyone's saying this is great. This is horrible. Then I listened to the second song, which is, uh, Aaron Burser. And I was like, okay, the rhymes are okay. This is still pretty terrible. So I listened to it like on the way to work and I was like texting people like so arrogant. I was like, this is trash. I don't know what everyone saw. And this is like March, 2016. This is like, no one, no, most people hadn't even heard of Hamilton. And they're like, why is he telling me this thing sucks? And they, I don't even know what this is. So I'm just texting. And then I said, I, I, I told Jennifer and I said, she goes, okay, well then just stop talking about it. I said, no, I'm going to listen to the whole thing. So then I get back in my car. I listen to the third song, which is my shot. And I get to the middle part of it where there's all these internal rhymes on rhymes. It's like big pun level stuff. Big pun who gets a name drop in this uh, in this uh, film. And I lost my mind. And I, I listened to the whole thing the rest of the day. Cried like six times. Came home and told my wife, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. And then Donnie knows this. I listened to it on repeat for a year and a half. My I specifically remember we took a trip right before my daughter was born in July of 2016. And I made my wife listen to it twice on the ride up. And she goes, I hate Hamilton. I hate this. <laughs> my whole family is like, I'm not going to listen to Hamilton. I'm not going to watch Hamilton. I don't get Nathan won't shut up about Hamilton. I talked to Donnie for like six months, but you have to listen to it. He was like, dude, shut up. Stop. <laughs> but then everyone I know who ever, has ever heard Hamilton. And finally, I, I haven't seen it on stage, but uh, we, when it came out on Disney Plus, I guess that was in 2020. Finally got to see it. Uh, but I'll say this much. So all the uh, big Lin -Manuel, Moana is probably my favorite of the Disney animated movies that have come out. I think the music is wonderful. I think the story is great. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we're probably going to talk about it on here eventually. Uh, Encanto music may even be better than Moana. So if you get a chance to go see it, go see it. It's wonderful. Um, and then in the Heights, though, and this is a bold claim. I think this movie, what? because I once again, I've never seen the stage play. Big fan of the musical uh, as far as the music, the soundtrack. 
This may be my favorite Lin-Manuel Miranda thing. Uh, I think this movie is stellar. I think, um, I think not the, I, I will say this. I think as a piece of music, Hamilton is something maybe nobody can touch just because it's two and a half hours and about every second song is a showstopper, like would be the best song in any other musical in Hamilton. But this one, the music is great. The story and the characters and what it means and represents is so powerful. Um, I don't know. So what, so what do you guys think about this movie? I've already thrown my cards on the table. Donnie, where are you sitting on, on In the Heights? I thought it was a fantastic movie. I mean, I love just the, the natural progression of the characters throughout. Um, like everything was, it wasn't like in your face, hey, you're just starting at this point. You get this story and he does such a good job of developing the backstory as he's progressing the character's current time because he does go back and say, hey, you know, and you get, there's a moment where he's talking, you know, basically in the past but it's really cool to watch him talk about it because he's so excited. Like he, he's so excited. And um, one of my favorite things is finding out the, um, the thing about his name and how that came about. That was probably my favorite. So I don't want to, I feel like that's kind of a spoiler a little bit because it is a very <clears> funny <throat> moment. And I don't want to take away from that, that the funniness of that. Well, so here's what I think is interesting. I'm just going to throw it. We're going to spoil the thing. His name is, we're just going to spoil a lot of this movie because <laughs> I don't think we can talk about the themes without watching it. So if you haven't watched it, you can watch it and then come talk about this. But I would encourage you just to listen to this. So when you watch it with your teenagers, you're ready to kind of discuss sure. it. So his name is Uznavi, uh, which comes from his father when he's, um, when his father is immigrating to the, the, the U.S., he sees a boat which says U.S. Navy. And he's like, <laughs> This is this is the greatest you know uh, country I've ever come to. So I'm going to name my son that, and he thinks it's pronounced Uznavi. So he names his son that, and it's kind of this cute, funny, quaint thing. But you know what it made me think of is I know a lot of people. I have several friends who uh, either they have immigrated to this country or their families immigrated, and they all have some story that's kind of similar of like this kind of quirky thing about their immigration. I'll say this, um, uh, and I'll say this, and Heidi, we can cut this if you don't talk about it. But I know you told me at one point that you actually have two birthdays yeah. <laughs> based on kind of your your family story. So do you want to share that story? Yeah. So, I mean, where I was from, and most people weren't born in hospitals or anything like that. And so I got my birth certificate like down the road a ways. And I mean, I, everybody has to have a, um, a godfather and a godmother sign the birth certificate so like literally my godfather was like a dude off the street like they just asked him can you come in here and sign this paper so we can get a birth certificate for our kid um stuff like that and I think kind of uh towards the Usnavi U.S. Navy um my mom called my dad one time from Payless and she was like I found a place where we can get shoes for all of us and they're so cheap they're so cheap. Some of them are buy one, get one. <laughs> she was like, so they like were blown away by Payless, you know? And so it's the kind of stuff like that I love listening to like my parents talk about from when we first came here. Right. So you have a, you have your, uh, you have a birthday that's one day on your, on your Colombian birth certificate. No, right? it's, uh, it's, um, no, it's one thing in real life and another thing on the birth certificate. 
Oh, gotcha. I mean, there's nobody there. Like there was nobody there to verify. And it just it ended up being that. And it was just like, well, it's actually not an uncommon thing at all. It's just <laughs> like, well, you know, it's a typo. Oh, well, I have friends that are also from Columbia that the same thing has happened. I mean, not that not that it's just there, but, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah. So so talk about uh, what, what you enjoyed about this movie, uh, uh, Heidi. Oh, man, I enjoyed everything about it. I love this movie so much. I kept wanting to, like, rewind it and watch parts again and stuff like that. And um, But, yeah, I just – I loved, um, like, Uznavi's spirit and his, you know, courage and passion. Like, all of the characters were um, – were amazing, but I just, I loved his perspective and, and, you know, the way you see him kind of go throughout and the connections to, you know, his, his heritage and where he comes from and stuff like that is, is really cool to me to see that he you know, really honors that, but also kind of, you know, does his own thing. Yeah. All right. Sawyer, what do you, what, what do you got for us on in the Heights? How do you feel about it? I, I, I really, I like, I'm smitten that we're talking about this movie. I love this movie. Um, like specifically, I'm sorry, okay. did you say smitten? <laughs> smitten? Yeah, I'm, I'm very, I just, I've yeah. never heard you use the and, word smitten. And, so that's why I'm proud of this podcast. I am, I am a brilliant word. <laughs> you are. Okay. I'm a brilliant word. But, smitten uh, kitten. no, so yeah, dude. Oh, oh but, yeah. uh, no, so like I, I remember when I first watched this movie, I was kind of, I had Hamilton just stuck in the back of my head and I couldn't figure out why. And I was like, this is better than Hamilton. I can't figure out why though, because the music in Hamilton is definitely better than the music in In the Heights. And the, th- the, the thing I came up with, and you hit on it, Nathan, a minute ago, like the story that it tells is so great because it uses all the tools of a musical so effectively. Um, there's, a, there's a moment uh in the movie and it's kind of it's a famous song from the play as well it's called Ninety Six Thousand, and it's basically usnavi and his four closest friends are just walking to the pool and they get to the pool and they're simply just talking about what they want to do with their lives and every single thing that goes on in this scene forwards the story it's not like they stop so that they can have a fun musical number like in a lot of musicals like it is so great i love especially a lot of the character arts with Nina and Sonny as I'm and we're going to get into those themes a lot later but um just like li- literally like I mean Heidi Heidi said it well as also like this movie is just pretty pretty near perfect okay mm-hmm. like it is a very effectively made movie well and I think you talk about musicals and I, I we need to get into themes here in a moment but uh, I do want to mm-hmm. say this th- what I appreciate about um I'm a big musical fan um because I think musicals are what you just talked about good musicals use the music to do multiple things they 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 get you deeper into the character they progress the story they can tell you backstory stuff and they can do it all in an emotional way that doesn't just feel like characters dumping exposition yep. um and Lynn Manuel Miranda does that better than almost any current person I know. Like, and I'll just yep. go ahead and throw this up. Frozen is a trash musical. And here's why. I know people <laughs> love the music. If a song comes, if a song in a musical comes out and you could imagine it being on the radio and any person singing it, if you can imagine Taylor Swift mm-hmm. singing it, it's not a musical song. Like, 
Lin-Manuel Miranda is, there is no context where 96,000, the song you're talking about, is a pop musical hit. Let It Go is a song that means nothing. It's just general, like it doesn't progress the story any. If you took that song out of Frozen, you would know everything you need to know about Elsa apart from that. They've already stated all the things. Love is an open door. They never say any character names. They're just doing stuff. Lin-Manuel Miranda is writing songs that are bangers with the words Theodosia in them. When are you ever going to, like they tried to make Wait For It from Hamilton, a pop song like on the radio. When are you ever going to start to start to go, the first word is Theodosia writes me a letter every day. That's never going to be a song. Like they, <laughs> and so these are fantastic songs because they do fit that. They are there to serve the story, not yep. to create soundtrack sales later. Um, yep. And they're incredibly, and I'll say this, we haven't talked about this, but we've been kind of giving Lin-Manuel Miranda credit because the music is so huge. But obviously the screenplay was not written by him. The story was not. Kiara, once again, Huedes, I guess. Uh, she She's written several plays that have uh, been uh, massive successes. She, has, uh, she wrote the script for the movie Vivo, which Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote the um, music to. Um, she does a great job. John Chu, who uh, directed crazy rich Asians. And for me, just as a, a, a filmmaking guy started with the step up movies, whoever would have thought this guy would have just like exploded. Um, the obviously all the stuff you're talking about Sawyer of like at 96,000, the pool, none of that's in the screen thing uh, in the, in the play because those things can't happen. And often what happens in movie musicals is they kind of feel like someone just put a camera and filmed what was going to happen on stage. They just put them in a real environment, throw out to lay miserable, the, 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 the most recent one, which is also yeah. not great, but uh, just because it feels like you're just doing this. He finds the most creative ways to film these where they feel I mean, they feel propulsive. They feel important. You feel like you can't take, you can listen to the music, but you can't take your eyes off the screen because you feel like you're going to miss something. Mm -hmm. So I think we're all big fans of the movie, but there's really important things, really important conversations we think you can be having with your kids about this. So let's get right into the first reason we wanted to start, which is I think the first reason uh, this movie is helpful is this idea of, I think Roger Ebert, the film critic, was the first person to, to say this, but that movies are empathy machines. They teach you how to have empathy for people that it, it puts you in the lives of people that you don't you get to live other people's lives for two and a half hours. <laughs> this is a movie that for our kids, we get to kind of talk about, at least for most people in our church, is not an experience that they have had um, other people's experiences. And we get to kind of talk about to our kids. I think this is the importance of some of the movies where we talk about the next couple of weeks is why is it? I think it's a good kind of question to have. Why is it we don't see a lot of movies starring people who look like this or who live lives like this or who live in places like this? What does it tell us that we as a society are we are do we more highly value certain kinds of lives and certain kinds of experiences and certain kinds of people? I think that's an important conversation because hopefully as followers of Jesus, we live in a kingdom where we really are looking, say every person's story matters. Every person's life matters. Every person's, uh, every person brings value and they, and they, and they matter. But if you look at 90% of the films that are coming out, that is not the message you get. You get, there are certain kinds of jobs that really matter. There are certain kinds of stories that really matter. And there's certain kinds of people that they're the most attractive, most beautiful, most admirable people and not everybody in our world looks like those people. 
So uh, can we talk about that for a moment? How do you think this movie can help us have those kind of conversations? Anybody want to jump in on that? So I was thinking about when you said that, I immediately thought about the fact of like, you know, how you see in most movies, a lot of times you have these very corporate jobs like stockbrokers, um, lawyers, everything like that. It's like, you know, of course, the high prestige jobs. But I think it's really cool to have the main character be, you know, um, the owner of a corner store. Because Mm -hmm. the cool thing about it is that what you what I think is really cool, and I don't know if they did this intentionally, is that you have this person who's in the heart of the city interacting with everybody, everybody as they do their day to day things. And as a part of he's a part of their daily routines, whether it's, hey, come in here, you grab whatever it is that you need. And then he has an opportunity to impact people daily. Yeah. And like it's just through little things, and like he's constantly like Usnavi is constantly like trying to encourage like Sonny. He's like, hey, you know, things are gonna be great once we get to this point, and all these things are gonna happen. And like I love that he's constantly just like breaming from the idea of what his like dad did about the swing swingita. What is it, swingita? Swinito. Swinita, like or swinito, which is like you know, little dream or something like that, I think. Yep. And I love that he constantly goes back to that. Like he never loses sight of that, even in the midst of everything. Well, and I like that the movie really honors and brings dignity to Uznavi's job. And not just Uznavi, but the the ladies at the nail salon. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a great uh there's a great musical number that really just makes you feel like man this is a vital place like i want to be that's vibrant it's colorful like it's exciting but often and and really uznavi's once again we're kind of spoiling things his whole arc is i want to leave this i want a life that is more um kind of what i've always dreamed it to be but eventually he comes around to no this community is where i'm meant to be i'm meant to build up this community and and the movie honors that as the bodega is a vital part of the community because so many people go in and it honors that in a way that most movies are like, hey, you work your way up, climb up a ladder and you get something better. Even if it doesn't better anyone else, it betters you. Yeah, he, le- he learned the camaraderie of his, like, of his community so much because like you said, that scene with, in the nail salon, like these, they're just collectively just building each other up. Right. And it's not about, hey, you know, I need to be better than you. It's like, bettering themselves like i love the fact that and i can't remember her name um who owns the actual nail salon yes um but she essentially is moving up and even though like at, at a point people are like conflicted they're like but you're moving to this place or you're trying to go here it's like no i'm bringing you with me yeah. like i'm not stopping you i'm just showing you that we can continue to grow and not lose touch of who we are yeah yeah <laughs> Anybody else on 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 this concept? Anyone got anything to add? Let's talk a little bit about this idea that I think is huge, and this kind of goes to a little bit what Donnie was talking about here. And this was kind of Sawyer's uh, theme that he wanted to bring up, but this idea of making home uh, wherever you are. Uh, Sawyer, expound a little bit about that idea. Yeah, I, you know. Usnavi's whole arc is how he wants to get out. And we've, we've talked about this and stuff like that. And then at the end, he decides, oh, wait, that wouldn't be what's best for me. What's best for me is to stay here because I have an impact in the community in which I'm currently in. And 
you you know he finds out throughout the movie that there there are there would be consequences if he left that aren't worth it it's it's so much better to stay where he is even if it's not as glamorous as he wants you know because you know i think a big thing for him is he wants to go back to his roots in the in 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 his homeland and stuff like that which is it the dominican republic or is it okay Usnavi yeah. is from the dominican yeah that's what i thought I, anyway so but like he wants to go back there because that's where his roots are and stuff like that. But he, I think what he realizes over the course of the movie is he's put his roots down in Washington Heights so effectively that now if he were to leave, it would it would be too much for him. He couldn't do that. And uh, and I I just I love his journey. And there's other characters that go on similar journeys where that you know even if they're leaving at the end of the movie, they're they're not leaving forever. They're coming back. Their roots are still in this community. And so they might be leaving. There's a character named Nina who's leaving to go finish up going to law school. And then she she's like, I'm coming back, though. I'm going to fight for people's rights and stuff like that in my community. And it's this really beautiful arc of these people who, for one reason or another, all arrive at the, the same conclusion that where they're at right now is the best place they can be. Yeah. Well, and I think what's interesting about this movie and um – uh, that I think is powerful, and especially when we talk about like uh, some of the stuff we're talking about here with um, highlighting people who look different. And in particular, I mean, let's just say this movie is primarily a Latin American cast, um, and uh, there just aren't many big budget movies coming out that are primarily and that, that have several sequences that are spoken in Spanish, and they don't put subtitles on screen. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And I think that's powerful to just see for a, for a large group of uh, people to be able to just see, oh, that sounds like my community. That sounds like people I know. And I, so I'll say this personally. Uh, my oldest daughter is um, is Guatemalan American. And for her, it, she is very aware of the fact that most movies we watch that have a romantic interest that's a girl is most likely looking like her sister who's blonde hair, blue eyed. She's going to more look like that. And for her to be able, and she said this both times we've watched it, the main character, Vanessa, uh, kind of looks like a grown-up version. And I don't, I don't just mean that she's Latin American. I mean, just her face and everything looks like a grown-up version of my oldest daughter. And she said, and here's what's funny, her dream is to be a fashion designer. My do- my oldest daughter's dream is to be a fashion designer. And for her to be able to watch it, and she said several times, she looks like me. That's powerful. I mean, that's a powerful thing. Because, And I know it seems like, for a lot of people, that seems like a thing that's just like, a, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is for it, but it just, it seems like a small thing. It's powerful because for her, she now sees, oh, I do have value. And not that movies should be the one to teach. We're going to talk in just a minute about how we talk about how God is ultimately who brings us value. But certainly these things influence us. Watching movies and when only the only people you ever see highlighted is beautiful and admirable are people who don't look like you. Um, I, th- I think that's I think that's powerful, Heidi. Does any of the any of this register for you? As you already mentioned, yeah, um, yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, um, to kind of go back to what Sawyer was saying, like he does want an easier life, um, and you know, we kind of think about like, yeah, living on the beach and having like a little, you know, a little drink stand or whatever, a little um, hole in the wall bar or whatever, but. I think the thing he's trying to get away from more is the resistance that he can't, you know, the constant friction that he feels here. And so, and I think that's for each of them, you know, like they're just trying to get 
one step further from where they are. And so for him, he feels like getting out of this place is going to be the way that he, he gets out of, of the tension that he has to live in every day. But what he realizes that like, it's not just about him, you know, and it's kind of where Sunny's story really opens up a lot more. And, um, and you see, you know, that he has, he has people that matter to him that he wants to do the hard thing, which is the right thing for them, you know, and, and that to me is really powerful. And, uh, also, you know, kind of what your daughter was talking about, you know, or what you were talking about with your daughter is like, you know, there, when you don't see a lot of diversity or you don't see a lot of different, um, you know, women kind of portrayed in these roles as a woman, you know, we you can't change your skin color. You can't change, you know, you can change your hair color, but it, it's, it's always this thing of kind of like unattainable, you know, it's like, you will never actually look like, you know, these people who are seen as beautiful or, you know, charismatic or, you know, attractive, whatever. Um, and so I do think it's really cool to see such a mix, um, you know, in this, in this movie. Well, and I think, and I think to try and help people understand, because I have these conversations a lot with people, and I think there's this feeling of like, well, we should be teaching people that beauty is, you know, is more is deeper than what you look like, and it's and that is ultimately what we want to teach. Yeah. But it is inescapable in our society that all of us look at certain, and I don't just mean skin color, but I also mean body shape. Uh, mm-hmm. And and for many of us as Americans, we kind of think body shape is fully in your control, and we know it's not. I mean, there are mm-hmm. there are levels of which it is, but it's not fully in there. And and there are certain kinds of people that look a certain way uh, that are held up as this is the most valuable, admirable, beautiful kind of person everyone should ascribe to. Work this kind of job, make this kind of money, look this way, speak even just this- short and and tall, you know. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. Hispanic people are, you know, notoriously not tall. You know, there's a few of them, but they're like the the minority versus, you know, you come and so like I am five one and I have been told a lot of times how cute and adorable that is that I'm so tiny. And I'm like, yeah, because cute and adorable is what you want, like you know, when you are a teenager or a young twenties, like trying to get somebody, like you don't want to be cute and adorable. Like you want the long legs, you want the, you know, all that. So yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think men and women both deal with this. I think it's a part of it. And I think as followers of Jesus, here's why it's important. Let's bring it in to this is we are called to value every person equally. We are called to love everyone always. And that really comes down to who we value and the kind of stories we think are important. And we live in a community where not every story is represented. And it's important for our kids uh, to be able to be exposed and be able to see, oh, every kind of job, every kind of person, everything has value. And I think that matters in this kind of story because it's not just about uh, Spanish-speaking communities or Latin American communities. It's it's also about, as Donnie already mentioned, kind of the dignity of work, right? There's this scene where there's this big blackout and um, Benny, who works at a taxi dispatch, right? He's not making tons of money. He could be like most of us, which is like, well, day off of work. I'm not going to do anything. Like he's out at a club. He's hanging out with his friends. But he says to Nina, he goes, I have a job 
for for 10 more hours. There's something going on. He may lose his job. And he says, so I'm going to go do my job. And he brings this dignity to in the middle of this emergency. I'm not going to be about me and what's best for me. I'm going to be about my community and helping people. And it re- and it really is highlighted in that moment of like, this is an honorable man. He's working a job that most people would, and I'll say this, in our affluent community would tell their kids, okay, that's like a part-time job as you work to, like, that's not a career. But he sees that as this has value and it's honorable and I'm doing something for my community that's bigger than a paycheck. Um, did anyone else get that vibe from any other? I mean, the nail salon has the same kind of thing. Did anyone else get those vibes? I mean, even just Yusnavi with his, um, his bodega, you know, it's like yeah. he, he, um, he might be serving coffee, but like it's, it's, he says like with special flavor to it, you know, and right. it's like little stuff like that, that, he he genuinely knows that his place is where he is and to make a difference you know to make a positive difference there and do it to the best of his ability something something that i loved about that idea in this movie was how nina sees the value in all of that and she i feel like she is like the realist in the movie and she she's kind of jaded to I don't want to go back to Stanford and stuff like that. Like the best life is here in Washington Heights and stuff like that. And everyone's like, no, you're different. You, you, you have to get out so that you can come back and be our leader is the thing. And I really love her arc because it's this, yes, she sees how good it is, but she also can like, she's better. She can be, she can like take the extra step and stuff like that. And so um, not, and, and not in a way that belittles, the the Usnavis and the Bennies of the world, but in a way that she's going to build them up. And so I, I really love that whole idea. Well, and they have built her up. And I think that's, yeah. the, I think that's the yeah, part that cyclical. we all, well, I think what it ultimately is. And I think this is the theme of the movie that is so hard for many of us um, because of the culture we have grown up in is very individualistic is very mm-hmm. focused on, you know, and that's really the battle I see of this movie is the movie really centered around this idea of dreams, right? Donnie already mentioned. The movie starts, the opening words are about this uh, Suanito, which is little dream, and it's everyone has one. The opening song talks about everyone's got a job, everyone's got a dream, everyone's trying to better themselves. But what the movie really gets to is this, it's a story, it's a story about this community and how everyone's little dreams get to be a part of this big dream that a community could be better and that God could, and they don't talk necessarily about God, but that God is building a kingdom, a community where everyone gets better when I don't live for me, I live for others. And so you see that in Nina. Nina's trying to get out of college, right? Because she has faced racism. She's, uh, faced prejudice. She's faced just hardships because of what she looks like, where she comes from, the kind of money, the kind of um, experiences, the way she talks. And she goes, I don't want to go back. That's too hard. And her dad keeps kind of saying to her, um, no, you need to go. All these people have built into you. You're our one shot. And he's saying this, and he's really kind of saying like, you need to better you. You have a shot to better you. And she eventually comes back with, well, I'm going to come back. I'm going to go get this education, right? I have this privilege of I get to go to college. Not everyone here gets to. Uh, We have a lot of conversations in our culture about privilege. And her, in a lot of ways, as an Afro-Latina woman uh, living living in a uh, kind of um, 
lower income area, she has a lot of disadvantages against her. But the fact that she gets to go to college and has this opportunity, that is a advantage that she has. And she's going to use that to come back to her community and better her community. That is not the message most of us as individualists get, which is you go get an education so you can make money. And that money's your money and you do with your money. But what we know is as followers of Jesus, we are not just saved as individuals. We are saved into a community. We are saved into the body of Christ. We are called to, to give ourselves, to take up our cross, to die to ourselves, to live for the sake of Jesus, live for the sake of our neighbors, to love our neighbor. I mean, all the commands of Jesus are, if you want to love me, you got to love your neighbor. You got to love all the people around you. And certainly this movie is not taking that at a Christian perspective, but that value this movie really holds up of being willing to take your dream and submit it for the sake of others. That That's a powerful thing. Did anyone else pick up on that? <clears throat> yeah, for sure. And you see so many, um, you know, there's the one uh, at the, towards the end where they talk about the different um, nationalities that are represented right there in that block, you know, and, and it's, it was really cool to see like that all those different, you know, countries, cultures, you know, uh, there's a ton of diversity in, uh, you know, all Latin Latino cast, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think, you know, kind of to your point they're they're all like, not just Nina, she figures out how, what it looks like for her, but they all kind of have this idea of it. I'm not doing this just for me, you know? And so I think as followers of Christ, like we have to, we have to constantly be looking at like each day, you know, uh, I homeschool my kids, you know, like I am, I'm serving Christ, you know, and, and not only am I serving Christ when I serve them, I'm also, you know, setting, hopefully setting them up so that they carry on that legacy and they serve Christ with their life and they become a part of a community where they can, you know, use the things that they've been taught and use the, the, the story they have to connect with others and, and do powerful things for the community around them. Well, and don't you think, Heidi, even what you talk about there, that goes to what this movie talks about, of the dignity of all kinds of work, that our mind really gets to the, 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 the honor in any job is the size of the paycheck. Right. And so if even if I'm a stay-at-home mom, I'm not getting a paycheck at all, so that must be a really low honorable kind of thing. But what we know is, no, there's God is using that, that really God has put us, and this goes back to Genesis, right? That God put us here to, to rule over this planet. By rule, he didn't mean use it up and get all you can out of it. He meant take care of it. The idea was really to cultivate or to garden, right? That's why he put them in a garden. It was to help things to blossom and to grow and to be better for the sake of other people. And so work should be, I should see it as Donnie, and maybe Donnie, maybe you can talk to the some. You talked a little bit about this, but you know, if if I'm working at a bodega and this feels like very menial work, right? And okay, most most people in our community are not working at a bodega, but you're working at Walmart, right? And you see that as very menial kind of work. How do I, as a follower of Jesus, see that as 
as something God has ordained that God said, Hey, I put well, you in Walmart. Here's an interesting thing. That I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's funny you say that. So when I was working at a restaurant, <clears throat> I remember I had a boss that essentially I felt like I could never make happy. But the reason why I realized, or at least what it seemed like it was, was that once I started focusing on I'm doing this job to serve God rather than the job itself, I can't, I don't know, like I can't tell you if that was whatever the reason was, but I can't tell you once I started focusing on that, the realization of like, my boss wasn't upset. My boss was happy with the work I was doing. I was like, why did, why did that change? And it's like, and I think that sometimes what happens is that when we work at these, you know, nine to five jobs or jobs that are considered not, you know, the the high base salary things, we forget that every part of it is just an intricate piece to a bigger part. You know, and I think that as Christ followers, sometimes we forget that is that, oh, well, you know, we have a conversation. It's like, oh, well, I'm really good at feeling people's emotions. That's a big deal. Because yeah. there are people who don't have that ability to see or feel what other people feel in the moments. And it's like, someone's like, well, all I can do is I can draw. It's like, but what you may be able to depict something that someone has dreamed or thought of for a long time to turn it into a reality, you know? And yeah. it's like very easy, like when we're working, when, when someone's working a job, like, hey, I work at Walmart. What does this mean to the kingdom of God? Well, you get to interact with people that I won't get to interact with. You get to talk to people I'll never see. You get to see people at different points in their life, whether it's, hey, the person, the mom, the single mom that's showing up to work, you know, coming up to pick up something to go to work at three o'clock in the morning so she can be there for her kids, you know, or the parents that are going really late because they don't have the time during the day because they're working so much. It's like you have an opportunity to have such an impact on them. Just from your interaction, you might remind them that, hey, someone loves me. And then what they see is say, hey, why do you care about me like this? He's like, because God cared about me first. Yeah. And I think that's huge. You know what you hit on there, Donnie? And I was actually going to bring this up, but you said it even better. I'll just say this. There's a scene. If you guys haven't watched the, the sitcom Superstore, which is kind of about a Walmart uh, type atmosphere, the last episode, they give a speech about almost exactly what you said right there was he said, most of us feel like we're working a job that doesn't matter. But he said, we're there for people on their best days when they've got a birthday party and they got to come in and get some at the last minute and they're rushed. And we get to celebrate with people on those days. And then he goes, and then when a mom has a sick kid and she has to run out at three at the morning and gets like, it's almost exactly what you said. And I, I, I was moved in my spirit by I believe the Holy Spirit by watching a sitcom called Superstore because it gave me this vision of the kingdom of God, which is all of our lives and all of our jobs matter when I'm do when I see it as more than I'm just checking people out. When I see it as I do this in the name of Jesus, which means I care about the person on the other side of the register. Or when I stock something, I'm going, I want to make this as easy for someone to find because they may be coming on the worst day of their life, right? I used to have that conversation with people when they said, it's terrible that anyone has to work on Thanksgiving. They should be with their family on Thanksgiving. And I said, I remember saying to them, you know, a lot of people don't even have family to be with on Thanksgiving. And the only thing they have to do is to go to the movies or to go to a restaurant or to go to a store. And you being there by saying, hey, this isn't about me getting to be with my family because I can be with my family at any time. You choosing to go in and say, I'm going to make this the best experience I can for that person that's a God-ordained, God-honoring thing. 
man, if we could teach our kids that, that, hey, it's the most important thing in life is not getting the best grades so you can get into the best college, so you can get the best highest paying job for you, but it's whatever environment you're in, looking at the people, your neighbor, the person next to you, how can I love and honor and serve them? And that's huge. And this movie gives us an opportunity to talk about that. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to kind of, <coughs> that uh, Heidi mentioned. Nathan, I wanted to mention yeah. something to what you were just saying. Like the, uh, the thing that I see a lot with my husband, he interacts with lots of people like somebody who would, if they worked in retail, like Walmart or whatever. Um, and I don't, you know, because I'm at home. And so my interactions with people outside my home have to be intentional. Whereas when you work at a place like Walmart or Arby's or whatever, you have um, these opportunities, you know, constantly throughout your day to um, treat people with dignity and respect. And it, just that base level of interaction with people, that furthers the kingdom of God. In every one-off opportunity we have and every time we blow it, we can try again, you know. And, and I think that's a really powerful thing to, to look at that as an opportunity and to, you know, regardless of how each interaction goes or how maybe a day goes to go back and then kind of shift that thinking again. And so, you know, to your point, if we can also get our kids to think like that, like your job isn't just to pay your car insurance, you know, your first job at, you know, whatever the, the grocery store isn't just to pay your car insurance. Like it's an opportunity for you to be out there with other people that you normally wouldn't interact with. Your lives wouldn't normally intersect and you can do powerful things with three minutes. You know, you can do powerful things with five minutes. And then if you don't, then you have another opportunity coming up right behind it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because uh, we're running out of time, I want us to get some kind of lightning round because we had tons to talk about. I don't know. Does anyone else feel guilty that we're having to, for time, we're having to be done and we haven't talked about some of the best parts of the movie? I feel I, terrible. I, I feel terrible. So lightning round, I'm going to give you one minute each. Is there anything, Sawyer, is there anything else you want to say about this movie that you think parents need to talk to their kids about? One minute, go. Um, I think this is a great opportunity for them to also just have a conversation of not making judgments about people before you get to know them. Um, I, I think that, that, that that's a layup for this. Um, I, I was not anticipating it, but I think that's a pretty, pretty easy conversation you can have. Just um, get to know people and stuff like that. So, yeah. Good. Donnie, one minute. Anything you want to add? Um, I just think, I mean, the movie does a really good job of reminding us to be intentional. I mean, everything that you do, every, every move that you're making, know that you have an impact on someone, whether you see it or not, like you're making footprints, even if you don't see the footprints in the sand, you're doing it. So. Yeah. Heidi, uh, you had mentioned to me about, uh, we haven't talked about the best character, which is clearly Abuela Claudia. Does anyone have a better character than Abuela Claudia? No, no. Okay, good. Uh, you had mentioned about the patience and faith song. She mm -hmm. sings. That's kind of her, her phrase. She ripped. Yeah. Um, what, what did you, can you give me a minute on that? So I think just, you know, that's kind of the theme that you see like once that moment happens where, you know, she um, sings that song and then things change, you see like her legacy get passed on and all these other characters start to kind of look at their story different. And they start to say like, well, 
what would she, what would she want us to do? You know, <laughs> and that's kind of what we as Christ followers need to be, be thinking. Like we have this amazing story of when Jesus was here and he walked among human beings just like us. And he treated everybody with dignity and value and worth. And, you know, from the, the person who, you know, the lady who gets drug out and they're, but she's about to get stoned, you know, and her to like Matthew, the tax collector, you know, and, and everybody has worth, has value, has a story that can be used to further the kingdom. And so I think that is kind of the thing that I love the most about this movie. And you see that her, her, um, perspective gets passed on and her legacy gets carried on by the next generation of, of her community. I think that's huge. All right, here's my one minute. I'm going to go as quick as I can. I'm just going to tell you all the moments I cried in this movie. <laughs> so here we go. I'm just going to tell you everything I cried about in this movie we didn't get to talk about. So it was like two hours and 17 minutes long. So Yeah, they, I'm just going to just have to go through it. Here we go. Okay, number one, um, at during Nina's song, Breathe, when she comes back and she has um, – she feels like she has failed her community. And then she has that moment where she walks away and there's young Nina who just goes off and she's dancing and she's carefree, openly wept during that part. That's been my entire life is feeling like I'm not loved if, I, if I'm not succeeding and doing something when I feel like I'm failing. I'm not just failing me. I'm failing everyone else. And I'm like, I just want to be young Nina again. So <laughs> that part made me cry. Everything with Abuela makes me cry. Uh, the song Pessiente and Faye is beautiful. Uh, and I can't talk about this too much because I might start crying if I go. We, as a culture, do not have a respect for our elders that is in this um, culture of she is just held up as, in our culture, what's most honorable is being young and skinny and beautiful and that. And once you get to a certain age, you know, there are no roles, especially in film, for people who are too old. So we're just not going to do that. But she's that moment where they're singing um, Alabanza. And they all show up and they've got the lights. It just made me think, this is what death is like in the kingdom of God, is that it's a beautiful thing. Uh, that we are not scared of death. That death becomes, she's ready for it. She's had this life lived for her community and for her people. And there's this moment where just everyone, and I'm getting weepy, everyone in, <laughs> everyone in the community shows up and there's these lights. And, you know, there's this moment where it's like, that's what it's going to be like for for the saints, for those of us who have given our lives to the kingdom that we arrive and there's not just Jesus waiting for us. There's this whole community of believers, this communion of saints that is ready for us and said, well done, you did it. This is what matters. And man, I just openly, what my kids had to like come rub my back, be like, daddy, calm down. <laughs> like it's too much. That that's, that's really huge. And then I think um, the part we didn't even get to really talk about, but that so much of this is an immigration story. Uh, there's a whole section about being a dreamer, being an undocumented, immigrant and um, really the story here behind this. And I think it's what we miss. The Bible is written about stories of people on the margins, immigrants, refugees, strangers, exiles, right? Everything, every, every person in the story is written from the perspective of a powerless person, which that song, if you know, there's a whole song in the thing 
about being powerless, that we're powerless, and that God elevates the powerless. Jesus came, Mary uh, sings a song when she knows Jesus is being born that just says that God humbles the proud, but he lifts up those who are live in a low state. And this movie really, not that this movie was written with the perspective of Jesus, but those values are kingdom values, and that is a beautiful thing. So... Uh, anyway, I made it through without crying, so I'm okay. I almost lost it when I was talking about Abuela. Uh, I will say, all my kids keep saying, I want an Abuela. And I said, you have an Abuela. It's just, <laughs> you don't call her Abuela. So anyway, just a beautiful thing. Uh, thank you guys for joining in. If you listened this far in, good on you. Uh, this was a long one, but we are glad um, that you guys are here. And I hope you watch this movie with uh, your kids, uh, whether they're young or old. And um once again, you do not need to have every conversation we just had. It took us 50 minutes. But if you could take one idea and just talk about it with your kids, either during or after the movie, I'm telling you, you get a chance to instill something in your kids that's more powerful than all these great songs uh, that it will stick with them longer in their life. So we love you guys. Uh, good luck as you parent your kids to love Jesus and his way of life even more.